Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creativecontrol today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Creative Control with Vish Khan. Judd Haynes is a graphic designer and musician based in St. John's, Newfoundland. After spending years playing in the band Wintersleep, Haynes and his partner Krista Power founded a concert and events promotions company 
called Mighty Pops in St. John's and each continued to tend to careers in visual and graphic design. For his part, Haynes has created stunning album and poster art for a wide range of clients, including Blue Rodeo, The Burning Hell, Letter Kenny, City in Color, Blonde Redhead, Massey Hall, the Eden Mills Writers Festival, Sarah Harmer, and Hayden, among many others. Aside from co-founding the Atlantic Air Skateboard Company recently, Haynes spent part of this pandemic creating an excellent new podcast that features in-depth interviews with visual artists behind some of the most iconic images, logos, and album art in the history of music. It's called Art Design Music. It just concluded its first 11-episode season, and it prompted Judd and I to connect for a discussion about pandemic life in Newfoundland and why other Canadian provinces have been calling upon it for medical aid, the times I was invited to visit St. John's and stayed with him, and why I, I haven't been back, the reasons why he started Art Design Music, and his guests' connections to the likes of the Obama administration, Fugazi, ACDC, Mets, Bruce Springsteen, Run DMC, Beastie Boys, and Shellac, among others. The drive and burnout of freelance workers. His intense Coca-Cola consumption, and me being a parenting house guest, season two of Art Design Music, other future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you, who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is the 657th episode of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Judd Haynes with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hey, Judd, how's it going? Awesome. How are you? I'm well. It's nice to uh, t- talk to you. It's been too long since we've had an actual conversation. Uh, first of all, just for... I've established this in the intro, but where in the world are you? I'm in St. John's, Newfoundland, which is part nice. of Canada. It is part of Canada still, somehow. Sticking with it? Is that Sticking the, with is it. That, <laughs> we were the last ones to the table, so we got to stick around until all, all the food is ate, I think. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly correct. How are things generally in St. John's, Newfoundland, uh, you know, pandemic-wise or otherwise? How, what is the feeling, the vibe? Uh, well, we had our first big snowstorm of the year yesterday, so that wasn't the most exciting thing. It is for folks who love outdoorsy snow things, but I'm not one of that club. So, uh, right. But other than the snowstorm, things have been pretty good. And, you know, our case counts have been been quite low compared to everywhere else. And we're at, uh, I think we're at 92 or 93% vaccination rate here now. Wow. And wow. So, yeah, it's kind of like Newfoundlanders seem to know how to um, follow the rules and, and do what they're told. So we stand in a line very well. <laughs> no, I think you're very, you know, in, in in Canada, growing up, there were a lot of derogatory comments directed at Newfoundland. Uh, what? That is just 
I don't know if you've heard this, but it happened. Really? People make, yeah, they, there's a whole genre of jokes, and it's it doesn't. It's never really. What do they made call any, them? I don't. I, I'm. It's not a word I'm comfortable using. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I've heard about these. I've heard about these. Yeah. Anyway, but my point is, uh, you know, I've been to Newfoundland uh, many times, and some of the wisest, most fun-loving, kindest, smartest people I've ever met uh, have been uh, in my vicinity when I've been in Newfoundland. And I will tell you, you know, uh, Judd, you know this, right? We moved, my family moved to Alberta uh, from Ontario. Mm-hmm. And one of the most interesting uh, storylines during the pandemic for me, uh, as I've been lamenting, uh, the leadership here in Alberta, yeah, which is very libertarian. We don't need help from Ottawa. We don't need help from the government. We should be able to secede. They, uh, because of the pandemic, they let the pandemic run so afoul, they needed to get help from other provinces. And it was so dire that sadly people from Alberta were actually being uh, helicoptered to hospitals in other provinces, including Ontario. But the the, the real interesting part is they had to ask Newfoundland to send medical help. So Alberta, and again, I live here, and I'm not trying to shit where I eat, but I, I will say it was vaguely comical to me that these these tough guy politicians were like, we need Newfoundland, the, the place that's almost as far away from Alberta as possible, almost, had to fly people over. Did you hear tell of this? Yes, Newfoundland sent doctors and medical staff to uh, more than one province in Canada, actually. Yeah. Like, I know they also, there was uh, delegations, or I shouldn't say delegations, a crew went from here to Ontario as well, and I'm not sure if maybe even Quebec. But uh, but again, that was something that wasn't too hard or difficult here because, as you know, we our caseloads were very low. Yeah. Our hospitalizations have been very low. So to send people to help in other places is like, it just makes sense. Like, why not do it? But a 93% vaccination rate, you're saying that's for the whole province? Yeah, and it's going to be up over 95 soon because the now that children are being vaccinated, that's what's pushing us up that extra yeah. couple percent. There so, we're, like, so compare that to Alberta, which I haven't looked recently. I try not to read the news anymore, but I think we were at like 71 or 72% and our case counts per capita are still out of hand. And as you and I are Yeah, speaking, I don't think 70, 71 is going to get the job done. No, no, it isn't. And, uh, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, all I just, I just want to say that uh, I love Newfoundland. That was really the point of this little rant. I don't really want to talk about the pandemic stuff with you, but it's nice to awesome. hear. Awesome. Well, great chat. That was fun. <laughs> all I'm saying is I missed, you know, Judd, you know this, because this is how we became friendly. Uh, it seemed there for a spell from like between like, I want to say 2012 and 2017, I would uh, arrive in Newfoundland for the Lanya Vanya Music and Arts and Culture Festival. And right away, they said, you're going to stay with Judd and Krista. And I said, okay, I vaguely know Judd from Wintersleep when he was in the band Wintersleep, because uh, I would actually, we played together. Now that I think about it, we would play, mm. we played a handful of shows together. And I saw you and all that stuff. So I knew you vaguely. But uh, yeah, then we became, I would say, we're friends now because I would stay with you. And as far as I know, was I a good house guest? Was I okay in my visits? You're one of my most fun house guests. Really? Me? No one says I'm you, yeah. No one says I'm fun. I've never heard that before. Really? You're absolutely fun. Everybody smiles and has a good laugh <laughs> when Vish is in the room. <laughs> and it's because we love you and we're friends with you. No, I, I <laughs> not because you do anything awkward or say anything funny. <laughs> I really cherish uh, those memories of. 
being able to uh, hang out because that festival wasn't you are someone who puts on uh, music events or you used to be I don't know what's going on right now but you used to be you have a thing called Mighty Pop right yes and is that still going that so for people who don't know this is like a it's basically a music live music promotions company among other things right yeah, it's basically just promoting concerts here in Newfoundland. When I when I stopped playing in Winter Sleep in 2007 and moved back to Newfoundland um, for about a year or so, the, I wasn't uh, you know didn't get to see very many friends. They didn't come visit me because we you know were out in the middle of the ocean. And uh, yeah. so anyway, I I basically started promoting shows with my girlfriend Krista, who you mentioned a minute ago, and yeah. it was a it was a great means to get bands that we were dying to see to come here. But it was also a great way to get my friends to come and visit because. All those years playing in Winter Sleep, most of my friend circle were other musicians who played in bands that toured. So uh, yeah. starting Mighty Pop was a great way to just recruit them to come and hang out. Friends and heroes, right? People you didn't know but loved. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So many. Yeah, Like when Bonnie Prince Billy came and groups like that that were massive icon artists to me that I never got to meet and probably never would have and honestly if i hadn't been in st john's like i find it strange that in this little tiny you know port city out here in the ocean that i've met henry rollins steve albini and ian mckay here like i didn't meet them yes. in new york or chicago or someplace i met them all in st john's and that's kind of amazing yeah well you that that is another uh beyond i marvel at you for various reasons and we'll get into some of the professional ones as we talk about this great new podcast you have. But I, I, I marvel at your uh, generosity uh, of spirit and your kindness, but I also uh, marvel at your ability to do something like that, to take uh, a situation. Because I feel like moving to Edmonton, which is a huge city, and people do come here. I know that. Uh, I'm not yet, as we're speaking, feeling inclined to go see them perform music or anything because of the situation. But they do come here from time to time. But it also feels remote. Like, I know I'm, I left Ontario, which was close to Toronto. So guaranteed embarrassment of riches in terms of musicians traveling through or cool events in southern Ontario. But you uh, moved from Halifax, also very remote, right? You were living in Halifax for the winter sleep stuff, right? Yes, yeah. Right. So also that no one really comes to Halifax that much either unless there's a big festival, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Halifax would get bands, but it was similar to St. John's in that it would be a cross between your classic rock bands playing the big arenas and then only the kind of like, you know, indie bands on their way up kind of uh, playing in the in the in the clubs. Um, Paying their dues. Yeah. And so, I mean, we did get lots of great bands, but they just weren't necessarily always your like stars, you know, like for me, like I always wanted to see Sonic Youth and like that was never going to happen in Atlantic Canada. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, you, what I was getting at is you're enterprising enough to think, well, I'm in this very remote place. So you probably recognize that it might be difficult for you to see the things you really wanted to see. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to make it so that they, they will come here and, and actually, uh, you know, the remoteness, the, I don't want to say novelty, but the, the notion of something off the beaten path might appeal to cer- a certain breed of cat. And when you mention uh, Ian Mackay, Steve Albini, Will Oldham, those are people I can think of who'd be like, of course I want to go to Newfoundland. Why would I want to go to Toronto? I always go to Toronto. Yes, please, let's figure this out. And I feel like your vision for that has really uh, emboldened your community and, and and helped people realize what was possible. And I think 
I was what I started to say about five minutes ago is that Lanya Vanya, that music festival, wasn't your brainchild. You didn't have anything to do with it, but at the same time, I feel like you may have, you and Krista, helped lay the foundation for the possibility of something like that happening. Now, this is very awkward. This is I'm asking you to take credit for something. How do you feel about <laughs> what I'm saying? I uh, I know Matthias and Ariel who, who um, and you know Dave Lander and Andrea Vincent who started Lanya Vanya. And um, as well as I know, you know, all of them. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we both know that um, they didn't need me or need my inspiration. That festival would have happened one way or another. uh, I do feel like what we did uh, with Mighty Pop was uh, kind of fun and exciting, especially in the early days here, because not a lot of bands were coming here. You know, unless it was a band like Def Leppard or something like that playing mm-hmm. at the arena, we weren't really getting any any cool even indie bands. But um, Lanya Vanya would have happened either way because those four people are amazing and um, and they had a great vision and you know it's still going on. I think Lanya Vanya just had its eleventh or twelfth year and uh, it's yeah. still still the coolest thing about our about our city. Well, come on, I, I knew you were going to d- defer and deflect, and you did it. But uh, <laughs> I think uh, I also can appreciate what you're saying. It's not. It's not a two-person operation there in Newfoundland. It's a, a galvanized. Let me. How about this? Let's just put it this way: Did, Were you doing Mighty Pop before Lanya Vanya started? Yes. Okay. There you go. Case closed. I rest my case, <laughs> Your Honor. Uh, I feel like uh, I've made my case uh, very well. No more. No more questions. I will say this. I will say this because of Lanya Vanya and a couple other really cool, like smaller festivals that have started in this city. Uh, Krista and I have dialed back in extreme ways on Mighty Pop because when we started out, I really felt like St. John's needed Mighty Pop. It needed these concerts. It needed to see these acts coming to town. But now, 12 years later, 13 years later, uh, those acts are coming here. And there's all these cool, like Lanya Vanya is, is, is one of a, a bunch of amazing uh, kind of smaller festivals like that that are happening in this city now. And so acts are coming here all the time. And so we don't actually book nearly as many shows as we used to. There was a time when we were doing, you know, 25 to 35 shows a year. And now, I mean, we're only doing a couple a year because we're basically let, going to other people's shows and sitting in the audience and enjoying those shows and not having to put in all the legwork ourselves anymore. Listen, this is again, again, I'm not trying to put you in, a, in the hot seat here, the compliment hot seat, but I will tell you, this is also still a testament to work you've done because I did the same thing in Guelph. There was a fellow here named Stuart Duncan, uh, or here. I'm not in Guelph anymore. When I lived in Guelph, Ontario, there was a fellow named Stuart Duncan, and he had a concert series, and he had it had a name and all that stuff, and he would do the shows weekly whenever they he needed to do them, and it was a real important thing and then when he moved to toronto there is a void and there were a few people uh the people that ended up doing the kazoo festival in guelph picked up the Mm -hmm. slack but i also was like well someone's got to do something so i decided to do at least a monthly show on top of all the other stuff i was doing and i made it part of my job at the time which was convenient so but anyway that void filling ends up being so inspirational that a, a lot of people end up doing it, doing the same thing. They realize they can do what people like Stuart and myself and you and Krista and the Lanya Vanya crew do. And so I agree, yeah. what I'm saying is uh, that is not a small thing. So And what I, where I was going to go there is to the point that I was, do, I was doing it monthly and then I just stopped because I didn't have to do it anymore. We were oversaturating our little town 
and uh, because everyone wanted to do something. And I thought, well, I'll, I don't need to do it. I only started doing this because it felt like it needed to be done just like what you were saying. And now that everyone else has caught on to realizing it can be done, it means I can kind of semi-retire semi at least or play more of an advisory support role where, where necessary. And that's what I started doing. And I mean, with my media stuff, that meant instead of putting on the show, I could write about, promote the show, you know, on my radio show or my podcast or write an article for the local paper. Like that felt like the transition. So I still felt involved and supportive but not having to do the ugly, ugly grunt work of putting on a show, which is, let's be, let's face it, fairly thankless work, unless you can think of that thing I'm talking about, the spirit, the spiritual aspect of it, if you will, like the fact that you're helping your city. But when you, Judd, let's be honest, the actual work is difficult and time-consuming, right, of putting on a show? Oh, it's insane. It's insane. And and especially when you're doing so many of them, mm -hmm. you know, like I would look at what they did with Lanya Vanya and always marvel at it because to me, they were doing like a year's worth of Mighty Pop shows in a seven day period. Yeah. And I could just see them running around and I know how much running around I would do to do one or two shows a month. Yeah. So then to see them doing, you know, 30 shows in a week, I was always just like, oh my God, like, yeah. you know, I do not want to get involved in that. Yeah. I marvel at the fact that they're able to pull it off. But um, yeah, we were in the exact same boat. Uh, it, this city needed Mighty Pop when we started it. And now I feel like um, while what, when we do a show here and there, they are still fun and uh, they're in, really enjoyable for me. But I don't feel the city needs it the same way because there are others. The weirdest proxy that happened to me was, uh, and this was something I never expected would happen when we started Mighty Pop, was uh, it ended up being a crazy good recruiter for my graphic design and like illustration business oh. because all these bands could come into town. We'd hang out for the week or the weekend, however long it was, and we became friends. I became friends with all a, a ton of bands that I already knew a bit, but there was so many bands who came over time that I never knew until they came here for these Mighty Pop shows. Right. We all became buddies. And then maybe it could be a month later or six months later or two years later, suddenly I would get an email or a call from one of them being like, hey, remember when we were in town, you said you also design record covers. Well, do you want to design our new record cover? Or, oh, hey, I remember you saying you had a screen print studio. Can you make a poster for us? Wow. And so it ended up being weird. Like after two or three years of Mighty Pop shows, suddenly I had a whole roster of clients that were made up of the bands that I had brought here to do well, shows. Well, and also, I mean, not to uh, throw myself into the mix, but I recall getting, you know, connecting you with an organization that needed a lot of help uh, with Absolutely. website and poster design and, and just annual iconography. And that was because I became friendly with you from Lanya Vanya. 100%. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, again, I knew of you. Yeah, that must have been it. I can't think of why else I would have thought. No, to. that's exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so And that's happened to me time and time again. So that's one thing I've another. Well, not one thing. It's one of many reasons why pulling back Mighty Pop has been a little bit scary for me because i'm also knowing that you know that has that relationship building of having people come to town and getting to like spend a weekend with them and show them around take them out sightseeing and then some of them and later end up hiring me to make cool stuff yeah it's like that also will go away if mighty pop goes away so but it has a little bit of fear yeah but i think you've built a despite the fact that you're on the rock so to speak uh, that's what we call Newfoundland for some stupid reason, I think. Do we still call it that? Do people still call it The Rock? I don't know. I don't even know. I'm, yeah, I think people still do. It's it's actually, just to be clear, its formal name is Dwayne The Rock Johnson. So we that's what we call <laughs> Newfoundland. Anyway, my point is uh, I, I feel like you've done a remarkable thing. It's a testament to your character you. as a person to be living in a remote place but have this 
wide social network and 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 repeat business. So there's something about you and, and Krista, I will say, that, that people want to work with you again and again because you're nice and talented. So it's a it's a really nice combo. And uh, anyway, the only other thing I wanted to say is, and I, I'm just going to put this on the record because I've never really felt good about it, but uh, I mentioned that the last time I was at Lanyuvan was 2017. You said I was a good house guest and I appreciate it. But do you remember how sick and miserable I was the last time I was in Newfoundland? Do you have any recollection of this? <laughs> Yeah, that seems to be a common thing, though. It seems like every time I have a house guest, they're sick. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. I think Krista and I would never get sick if it wasn't for house guests. Oh, well, okay. So just to explain this, because I feel horrible about it, and I just want to say it to you, Judd, because I I connect you with this time and, and that place, of course. I have not been back since then, but... What happened was I flew out. Uh, I was really uh, overworked, and it was one of those things where the trip was coming up, and I realized uh, I had to go to Newfoundland. So anyway, I get on the plane from Toronto, and the plane goes all the way to uh, Halifax and decides, and, and or sorry, heads to Newfoundland, rather, and then decides it can't land. That's common, right? Planes can't always land in St. John's. Is that right? Super common. It happened to the Post Data guys just last night. Oh, my God. Okay. So, and what happens then, and what happened to me was, the plane, uh, which you've been on for a few hours already, starts to do a little circle thing. It's like, uh, can we do it? Uh, maybe now we can do it. I don't know. what. What is the circling? What are they doing? What's going to change so radically that you're going to be able to land a giant plane? I've never understood that. If it's foggy, it's always foggy, right? Just so we're clear, it's because of the fog and the visibility generally, or the ice sometimes, too, I'm guessing. It's the weather, Edwin, right? Oh. Don't 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 forget wind. We have lots oh, of that. Oh, right. That's right. So there's lots of reasons not to land the plane. But they do the circling. They circle, and then they say, we can't land in Newfoundland. We're going to go to Halifax. And then they land yep. you in Halifax. And what they said to me on that particular trip in 2017, I want to say it was, they said, hey, uh, here's the deal. And they, we landed, and we stayed on the tarmac for hours. And they were updating us, and we, we don't have any water. We don't have any food left. Uh, we don't know what we're doing. Just hang tight. And we were just sitting there like, what the hell is going on? They said, okay, everyone, uh, there's two options. Uh, you can either uh, get out here and stay in a hotel in Halifax. We won't foot the bill. Uh, and uh, we have to take your luggage back to Toronto. And I was, we were all like, what? <laughs> or you can fly back to Toronto after having been on this plane for like eight hours and get your luggage and then book another flight. We will put you in a hotel in Toronto. But there's some, some was up in Halifax. It was like an event and they had no rooms or something. I think that was the main deal. So I'm like, what the hell? So most of the people said, all right, I'll go back to Toronto. I don't want to lose my luggage, you know? So I go back to Toronto and then I stay. Uh, they say, you can stay in a hotel. And I'm starting to feel uh, something happened on the plane. I'm not feeling good. And I say, you know what? I'm just going to go home, back to Guelph. It's cheaper for them to put me on one of those airport services and take me back. So I go back to Guelph, and I feel like the Lanya Vanya organizers were not the most thrilled about this situation, that I went back home. So I go home, though, and I then I, 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 I'm working on some stuff for that day, and then I because the next flight can't leave till I, I want to say it was a Friday. I think I left on a Wednesday. So... And as you know, Judd, I, I used to host the talk show, uh, the the long uh, long night talk show in uh, Newfoundland. It was as, yeah. which I usually do in Toronto. Anyway, so I go home, I get some work done, and then I start to feel horrible. I feel really ill. Like these days, they wouldn't let me on the plane because I had all the symptoms that people have now uh, when they're sick with the, the 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 thing. I had everything. I had some sort of bizarre flu that I attribute to being on the plane with people 
uh, for like 10 hours. And so, uh, I, but I fly back because I'm like, what am I supposed to do? And I'm, I feel awful. Do you remember this? I was like on, I was buying like day quill or daytime. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And I couldn't do anything. And I usually, I go and I book, I do my talk show and I review things for the magazine. I review all the shows, but I was so dispirited and it made me grumpy and, and I was miserable. And, uh, but I did the talk show. I, I, I got, I, you, I think I, you drove me around to pharmacies or something. I remember being like asleep in your car. You were trying to help me because you're nice. Anyway, I did the talk show and it was not the best talk show. And then uh, I left and then I've never been back. And I think, I'm just saying, I feel like I ruined uh, my reputation for being sick and miserable and difficult, which I, everyone, I, I will own it. I did not feel good. You saw me. I was a wreck. And, uh, yeah, you were, you were a mess. Anyway, so I feel, does any of this resonate with you? I feel badly that I've not been. Oh, a hundred percent. But again, it's, it's, comical how many times that has happened over the years because like you said planes are disgusting yeah so the amount of bands bands and friends that have come here and end up sick because they were on the planes and uh you know it's just it's it's sad that but yeah they're gross i think the fact that we all have to wear masks on planes now is going to be people are going to enjoy their vacations so much more yeah and enjoy their trips so much more because they're not going to pick up all that viral goop that's on the planes but is it normal for the locals to uh see someone from away come from away who's sick and then be mad at them enough to never ask them to come back again is that normal is that normal oh yeah we have a book yeah, yeah, there's a book here of folks who are barred, <laughs> and there's various sections for why. One might be they tell those jokes you were t- discussing uh-huh, earlier, uh-huh. and another one is folks who are just grumpy, yeah. and then there's the folks who are sick and bring their sickness to our province. Right. You fell into two out of three categories. I know, and now I'm like... I've- and we don't know, we don't know. You probably at some point in your life maybe even have told some of those jokes. So you might have had a three for three, which has you barred. Sorry, you're, you're, you're done here. I got brown listed. I don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. I'd like to come back. I miss you too. You have a dog that I've only met once, I think. And uh, anyway, it's just sad. Anyway, I just want to say I miss you and I'm glad that we're connecting. And I wanted to congratulate you on uh, starting this podcast that you told me you were going to uh, think about uh, some years ago. It's called Art Design Music. And uh, as we're speaking, uh, the first season is not quite done. There's an 11th episode uh, that sounds special that's going to be uh, coming out soon. But before we get to that, uh, talk about this. What is art design music and why is why does it exist, Judd? Art design music is my new podcast where I'm basically having conversations with visual artists that create design work and illustration work for the music industry. So everyone from music video directors and graphic designers who make album covers to screen print poster artists, you know, merch like t-shirt artists, um, even getting into stage set designs for like some kind of larger pop acts and things. And so anybody who's kind of a visual artist, but their work is mostly being used in the music industry and why it exists is kind of, I honestly thought someone else would do it. I've been sitting around for a long while waiting for someone else to make this podcast because this mm-hmm. is the stuff that I find really interesting and really exciting is, you know, like I know that a lot of musicians out there also craft their visual look, but an awful lot of them don't. And I'm always curious to know about the people who are making this stuff behind the scenes and how they do it. And I follow a ton of them online and I'm like an addict kind of soaking up what they're into. And so anyway, I, you know, I always figured it would make a great podcast and really I'm not a podcaster. I'd never done it before. And so I just kind of thought somebody else would do it. No one ever did. And I remember talking to you about it. Yeah. Probably a year and a half, two years ago. Yeah. And you were the first person I talked to about it. And I was kind of like, 
I want to do this podcast. And you even, I remember being like, I'm sure someone has done that. Someone, someone has made that already. Did I and say that? And then you came back to me. Like, yeah, you were like, and you came back a few hours later and you were like, I've just been doing a ton of searching and I think you're right. No one has done this. Oh, okay. I don't remember that. That's not normally my go-to is to be like, that's been done. Uh, maybe you were I- like, yeah, I think you were like, I, you were like kind of surprised because I was saying how no one has done this and I can't believe it hasn't been done yet. And then you were kind of like, someone has to have done that. Like, oh, that's okay. Such a, okay. It's such a, a topic that would be of interest. You would assume that someone has done it. And I remember then it was a few hours later, you emailed back again. Oh. And you were like, yeah, I've been looking and no one has done it. It could have been my um, vague way of suggesting that it was a really great idea. Uh, I, I hope it didn't come across as like, don't do it. It's already been done. That doesn't seem like something I would say. Uh, no, I took it as pure jealousy. And honestly, <laughs> I assumed you were mostly upset that I had thought of it and you hadn't. No, 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 no. So. no. I will say, interestingly, and I, I, I didn't view it as a competitive thing at all, but I like uh, one of the things that appeals to me about the show, uh, beyond the fact that I know you, like you, share a lot of your aesthetic interests i will say uh i'm not talented like you are but we have some uh shared guests i noticed i'm just looking at your list of guests here chad van galen would make sense for me uh from a music interview standpoint uh hayden menzies from mets has also been on the show also a gifted visual artist but then yeah i've spoken with jay ryan for example uh who i'm a huge fan of and i think you and i have talked about uh, his work before so and he's a, a I, I know him primarily as a, a music a live music poster artist but we've also uh, my wife loves his work so much that I've been ordering you know whatever one-off prints that just sort of have messaging and, and just cool iconography so all this to say I think um, obviously this is a podcast that appeals to someone like me with specific and general interest is that the kind of reception you've been getting is it is this something that has been appealing to both uh music people and uh visual artists uh, are you hearing that from folks yeah when i first started it i kind of wanted it to appeal to anybody who liked music which i would hope would be everybody um i kind of thought like maybe i could make something that anybody who was a music fan would find these stories interesting and find kind of this direction of conversation interesting. And the more I, once I started having the first few conversations, like basically recording the first couple episodes, I realized that I'm such a nerd for this stuff because where I'm an illustrator and a graphic designer and I, I kind of make this stuff and I played in bands before because of my background, I end up going a bit more nerdy and a bit deeper into the process and the specifics of making these things. Mm -hmm. You know, like I don't, I don't talk to any of these guests and essentially be like, Oh, cool. You met, you know, Sonic youth, what's hanging out with Sonic youth. Like, or, Hey, you met, you know, your friends with the flaming lips. What are the flaming lips? Like, I don't ask them those kind of questions. Right. I'm basically asking them like, when you made that poster, what are, what tools are you using to make that poster and how long does it take and things like that. And so I realized pretty quickly that while I wanted to make a podcast that was for everybody, I was really making a podcast that was for super fans and folks who were designers and artists and things like that. And I, I've, from the comments I've been getting and from seeing who's following us on Instagram and things like that, it's like more than half of our audience are other graphic designers and other illustrators and other music video directors. It's people in the industry I see. Uh, who are also creators. And that's been really kind of fun. But I'm also, because of the nature of like some of these episodes, like the Gerard Huerta one, 
he's the guy who designed the very first ACDC logo. Yeah. Um, but he also designed, you know, did work for Bob Dylan and Cher, and he designed the HBO logo and a ton of other stuff. That episode is attracting people who uh, are just music fans. Like, you know, ACDC have fans all over the world. Yeah. So, of course, yeah. ACDC fans, whether they know how to draw or care about ever making a poster, they just want to know about where that logo that they've been wearing on their T-shirt for their entire life came from. Yeah. And there's been some like that. Like, uh, you know, I got Michelle Holm on who's worked with Prince and Bruce Springsteen and also ACDC and, and a ton of others. And, you know, her episode, again, is like music fans who just are huge Springsteen fans or something or will all tune in and listen to that one. You don't have to know anything about design. Yeah. Um, so it's been kind of a bit varied. I really feel it's like split right down the middle between folks who are super fans of these bands and then folks who are super nerds of like Photoshop and, you know, screen printing. I don't find that it gets too insular, though. Uh, you know, these are things, uh, these are practices I don't, I'm not familiar with because it's not my wheelhouse, but I don't find, I'm not alienated by the discussion, which is good. Obvi- oh, thank you. Obviously, it's very inclusive in that way, uh, which is good. You know, uh, you were starting off saying like uh, you never thought about doing a podcast, but when I think of you, Judd, and I think uh, I think of you and Krista, uh, you, you guys are, 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 are talkers, as I am, obviously. Like yes. I would get home, from, we would get home, I guess, from like a Lanya Vanya night, and ideally it would be quite late, and ideally you would think normal people would go to sleep, but we would end up talking for hours and hours and hours about all sorts of things. So I know you're talkers, uh, and you are a talker, so I'm not surprised by the, the, the great uh, conversational uh, talents you've uh, ho- you, you've got here. Like that that comes through. One thing that I found intriguing uh, is that some of these people I don't know very well or I'm very familiar with, are, it seems like they're all characters. Um, and I, I, I know from listening to the show that you're, You've met and encountered some of these people in a social way, uh, but others you are coming to pretty cold, right? Like you don't, you didn't, so, uh, there's people here you've never really interacted with before. Is that right? Yeah, I think in the first season, there might only be one person there I've ever met face to face. And that would be uh, no, uh, Aaron Droplin no and, and Chad. Aaron Droplin. Actually, I've never met Chad. Oh. Uh, Aaron Droplin and Hayden Menzies from oh, right, Mets are the right. only two. They're the, everybody else that's in the first season. So there's been 10 guests on season one and those are the only two i ever met face to face and uh and hayden i met him because uh he came to newfoundland for mighty pop shows and aaron draplin similar thing not through mighty pop but i'm involved in like a a kind of a nerdy little design crew here called the designers that's just like about a dozen of us that are all graphic designers and we would host a design event once a year yeah and we 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 invented an award and we give out the award and we uh and Aaron Aaron Draplin was one of the guest speakers we had one year so because of that I met him for one weekend too but none of the others I've ever met but did you when you when you thought of this concept beyond wanting these people's insights because you respected their genius did you have a sense that there are characters like for those who haven't listened to the Aaron Draplin episode which goes off on these amazing tangents about discogs and you know I I was I actually just went through this exercise of reorganizing my record collection and Aaron talks about this discogs feature that his buddy at discogs has where you can scan the barcodes for your records to to catalog I have a catalog system of my own uh, which I that's part of the reorganization but I found that super interesting 
and he is a goddamn character. Like, I, I wasn't familiar with him. He's like, again, t- just to tell the folks at home who Aaron Draplin is, Judd, because his credits are Aaron, mind-boggling. Yeah, Aaron is uh, one of the world's best graphic designers, um, but he's also one of the world's just best people, and he is, like, basically fired on 10 at all times. Like, he is someone who, like, the way he gets on on the podcast is the way he always is. He's not playing a character. Like, he's not trying to seem more exciting or more fired up. He's always that way. Yeah. And um, he's just this really great personality. He presents the most exciting, fun public talks like when he gets up in front of a room and does a speech for an hour it's the most fun hour uh, and like kind of talk you i've ever been to you know yeah. he's getting up and talking about design but he like you said he goes off on different tangents about different things in that conversation i had with him it's it's an hour-long episode and for the first half hour we don't talk anything about graphic design yeah we just we're talking about life we're talking about you know we're talking about lego and comic books and skateboards and we just go off on all these different things and he is the best and i am so happy that he came on the podcast he has an incredibly huge following all over the world like a quarter million instagram followers right and um and this is for a graphic designer like right, that doesn't but, happen but his clients include who again oh his clients i mean he does work with uh well i mean his clients are all over the map it's not just music but he has done work for flaming lips and dinosaur jr and you know he falls into that kind of like punk and indie world when it comes to his music clients which is awesome but he's also i mean he was the creative director for snowboard snowboard magazine for years and he's done work with the obamas he did work work for bernie sanders like he's all over the map when it comes to his clients Um, but that's because he's as much as he's a fun guy, he's also an incredibly talented designer. I'm just saying, you in your itemization there, the Obamas and Bernie Sanders were last. And so, you know, in the context of a show <laughs> like this one that you've got here, yeah, the guy from Mets, Chad Van Galen, you know, the the person who was uh, Jay Ryan, the person who was behind the, the ACDC logos. Like, you've got all these interesting, uh, you know, stuff going on in terms of music and, and art. But then you've got Aaron Draplin, whose resume, I think, really speaks to the potential and possibility of this kind of work. Uh, it, 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 it transcends any one cultural form. And when you hear him talk, you're like, if when people check out the episode, you're like, this guy worked with the Obamas and Bernie Sanders, this crass motherfucker. He just he can't stop. Oh yeah, yeah. He can't. He he's so off the cuff and refreshingly candid. And I'm like trying to picture him in a room. <laughs> so oh, yeah, I mean, at one point, at one point in that episode, he literally says he'd like to guillotine Don Trump. Yes, exactly. Like, and it's like, yeah, <laughs> it's like okay, but that's. I mean, I I get that a lot of people will agree with that sentiment, but you're you're right. This is a person who says that and then gets hired by Bernie Sanders. You know? Yeah, so it's, kind, it's of, kind, kind of amazing. It is amazing. So where I was coming from is uh, because I know you and I know graphic designers. I've I defer to graphic designers all the time. And I, I, my principle with working with graphic designers, as I think you know, Judd, I hope, is, uh, hey, I have a project. Here's the information. Go to town. I try not to be like, can you do this? Can you do that? Because I, if I could, I trust graphic designers. Um, sorry, before I go further, has that been your experience with people like me? Like, I know you've had both people who are heavy-handed and want you to do 50 revisions, but do you often get people who are more like, 
you're the genius here. I, I'm going to trust you. Maybe, actually, can we change that color? Maybe is about the most someone might say. But otherwise, great job. Uh, what, what's your experience been like working with people? Uh, is it a bit oh, of... Oh, those... That kind of situation is obviously every designer's dream job. It doesn't always go that way. Um, a lot of times, especially in the music industry, clients are very, very hands-on because mm-hmm. I find, and I don't mind saying it, I find that most musicians, especially singers in bands for some reason, think they're kind of amazing at everything. Yes. And uh, it's like it seems like a crass thing to say, but it's true. It's like I get art-directed by singers and bands like over and over like they are just like basically turn me into nothing but a pixel pusher all the time Mm. and uh where they just like they they but i then when i talk to other creatives from other aspects they will say the same thing about those people that they're also like telling them how to direct their music video or telling them how to like you know set up the stage so i i it happens all the time um it's really mixed sometimes bands really let you just do whatever you want Sometimes you are totally under a microscope and you basically just do what they want. I find it really fun in the podcast because I do. And a lot of times I was asking similar questions to some of these guests in season one. And as I move into further seasons, I'll move beyond these questions because I uh, am basically getting the answers that I I needed and I don't need them anymore. But like (laughs) I asked like all the poster artists, like I asked Jay Ryan, Hayden Menzies, Drew Millward. And um, I think I even asked, Chad Van Galen the question um, just out of curiosity of like do they allow the bands to have much say in what they're working on or and it was interesting because like Jay and Drew were like no like it's basically we're like no I just I make what I make and if you hire me you can look at my portfolio see what I've made and if you like what I make you know you're going to get something similar yeah And they just make what they want. And their work is brilliant and amazing and comes with a very specific visual voice because they just do what they do. Whereas other artists are much more malleable. And, you know, like even when, like, say Adams on episode one, he's, you know, he designed the Beastie Boys logo and the Sean John logo and worked with Notorious B.I.G. and Run DMC. And it's just crazy. Like Mary J. Blige, all these basically New York hip hop in the 80s. Yeah. Uh, say Adams ha- it was basically crafted the entire look of the the whole genre. Yeah, but he was a pretty established and famous graffiti artist that came up as like a kid in the seventies, painting streetcars and and all this in all over Brooklyn and Manhattan in the seventies. And so when he became a graphic designer, he kind of brought graffiti in, like the Beastie Boys logo, which is essentially graffiti is because he was a graffiti artist. And if they had hired a different designer, it wouldn't have been graffiti because they let him do what he wanted to do. Yeah. And so he created this awesome graffiti logo that they're still using today. And uh, But it's kind of cool. Like Some of these bands will really let the, let the person do what they want. Um, I found in my own experience, the smaller the band, the more they want to be involved, and the bigger bands don't even care. Yeah. Like A lot of yeah. the biggest bands that I work with, as long as you spell their name correctly, they're happy. They don't really care about anything else. Yeah. And the smaller bands will want to sit over your shoulder and kind of like, you know, go over every last little little detail. Well, what I, I appreciate that insight there. I mean, one of the reasons I asked this question about, uh, you know, uh, whether you'd be... Well, sorry, I started off saying I feel like some of these, uh, your guests are real characters. And what I wanted to get at there was the personality type. In a, if there's a way to generalize about the personality type of this particular breed of cat, the graphic designer, because... Um, you know, every every medium um, has its conventions, and I think um, whether it's hard hours, whether it's uh, uh, 
uh, inhaling uh, different kinds of fumes, you know, these things can influence yeah. the mind in a way. But uh, often in the conversations you've had with people like uh, on, on this show, you have this independent contractor mindset, but also super collaborative. And I feel like that's a really fascinating sort of middle ground between people who have decided that they have figured out they had a gift and are going to work on their own terms, generally. A lot of the people, and I think most of the people, are independent uh, contractors. They're not working for like some design house. Maybe they have at some point in their life. But So you've got all these independent contractors whose, whose work life and vocation is really dependent upon collaborating with others. Do you have any comment on that? That dynamic, like that's really fascinating to me that someone would come up in their life being, I'm going to work on my own, but my work on my own is completely dependent on working with other people who are have random personalities. It's going to be completely inconsistent uh, relationships in a sense. You know what I'm getting at? What, what does that say about the graphic designer mindset or, or psychology, if you will? But a lot of folks who choose graphic design or illustration as a business are people who oftentimes are not necessarily super comfortable and like extroverts. They're folks who are more comfortable in behind their computer, behind their drawing pad, and just kind of working on their own. That's it's it's why it's an attractive job for people like that. And so it's funny when I talk to a lot of these poster artists, almost all the poster artists are actually, I think all of them are, are also musicians. And essentially they're musicians who um, basically they go out and play music and then maybe the music career doesn't go where they want it to. So they start making posters or, or they're doing both at the same time. Like Jay Ryan has had his Dianoga band for Mm -hmm. the same amount of time that he's had his poster crafting business. And, um, but I think that a lot of people who go into this are people who aren't necessarily looking for the spotlight, but they like creating things that will get the spotlight, you know, like every graphic designer loves it when their work is being seen, but they themselves don't necessarily need to be seen. Like when I interviewed Michelle Holm, it was impossible to find any information about Michelle Holm because she doesn't do interviews. She doesn't put herself out there. She has designed all Bruce Springsteen's records for the last 20 years. She designed the new ACDC record. As I mentioned earlier, she's worked with Prince. She like, works with the bleachers. Like Her client list is astronomically out of this world, the biggest acts in the, on the planet. Yeah, And she has like a tiny Instagram following and no press. Like no one even knows she's out there because she just loves doing the work and is actually, frankly, kind of uncomfortable talking about herself, you know. And like when I had her on for her interview, she was quiet. Yeah, there's humility in every subject I noticed. Like very few, I mean, on some level, perhaps Aaron Draplin comes across as brash and brazen in in his just retelling stories of him dealing with people, (laughs) which is very comical. But there's just this underlying humility and kindness and I, I don't know like it seems like a particularly empathetic craft because you're just trying to fulfill other people's visions all the time uh, it seems to me yeah, does that make yeah. sense absolutely well like yeah. in the Jeanette Beckman the photographer she said a line that has rung with me since the second she said it at one point she said it's my job to make them feel comfortable enough that they show me who they really are yeah and uh, like it was just basically she she said her whole job is to just photograph these artists and make them look like the rock stars or the icons that they are but do it in a way where people feel like they're actually seeing the person and it's not this like posed cheesy kind of like industry thing yeah. and uh and and her like that's the thing i gleaned from her episode um 
by the time I got to the end and she told, she told so many amazing stories about, you know, working with Blondie and working with the clash and, yeah. you know, yeah. sting and the police and it just went on and on and on. And it was like, but the thing you get through all of it, the through line with her is she's basically like a comforting element uh, to all these people. Like a lot of these people come back to her over and over for their careers to do all their photography because she makes no one likes getting their picture taken. Yeah. But she makes the experience relaxing and enjoyable and then gets great results at the end of it. And yeah, I think it's like an interesting thing is you talked about these people being like contractors on their own. It is wild. Every one of them, except for Paula Shear, are independent now. Yeah. A lot of them did work for agencies or did work for record labels at some point. Yeah. Um, but all of them now are out on their own. Yeah. Cause they're kind of independent spirits who do their own thing. Paula Shear is the only one. She's a partner at Pentagram, which is the biggest independent design agency in the world. Mm. So as much as I say she's not on her own, she kind of is because she runs the place. She's the boss. Well, I mean, I'm trying to get at the personality types here in a, in a kind of broad and general sense, but, um, Judd, when you think about my visits to your home, do you have any um, recollection of me putting across a, a vibe that I was maybe concerned about you and your life habits, your work habits? Does that come to mind at all? <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> oh, it does. I wasn't sure. You know, it's been a few years and I haven't really pondered it too much. What would you say? Uh, again, I'm a bit of a worrier. Uh, that's fair. Uh, and I've come to realize maybe I'm a little uptight about some things. That's fair too. I can take it. I, I, I can take insulting myself or, or observing things about myself. When you think about my concerns, what would you say they kind of were based on per se? When it came to me and how, how I operate my business or life? Per, per, perhaps you and Krista living, you know, for, for what it's worth, for about a week of every year there for a while, I was your roommate. Yes. And I remember you were always blown away at how late we would stay up. And that's right. We would work through the night and then wake up and go back to work again. And there was uh, that. Do you remember we would land? I would land in Newfoundland in St. John's. And where, where was the first place I always asked us to go? I can't remember. I'm sorry to say it. I can't, I can't remember. <laughs> I thought this would ring true to you. I'm insulted. I always said, let's go to the grocery store. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and you'd be like, okay. And you were very kind. You would always pick me up, I think, mostly. Sometimes it was other people, but yeah. you mostly picked me up. So we would go to the grocery store, and I would buy like a week's worth of food, I think. Yes. Yeah. And then it wasn't always great food, but I, I feel like, didn't I, I tried, in the, just to, to be a nice house guest, didn't I try to cook a little bit? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I tried to be like, hey, uh, every time I've come here, I see you chugging Coca-Cola and being up most... I'm sorry if this is too much information for anyone listening, and hopefully your mother can't no. overhear us, but I just... All I'll say to you is, uh, what I'm getting at is, yes, I do it too. Independent contract work freelancing, and you hear it in the voices of some of your guests. Like Chad Van Galen talking about the pressure, Jay Ryan talking about the pressure of just trying to get something done and going nuts almost, like trying to create an animation or trying to create a graphic on time. I've seen that with you. You don't seem like high-strung about it. You seem to have accepted like, yeah, we just stay up all night to hit deadline. We just do this. And, and, and so I would be like, these bohemian people are, I worry about them a little. Am I, was I wrong to, am I wrong to worry? Should I stop worrying? No, it's totally, this, in all honesty, this industry 
uh, is so messed up in how many hours that myself and all the other people I know who do this work, um, we all are working all day, all night. And thankfully, we enjoy it. I mean, I love what I do. And I think that's why I don't mind working whatever hours it takes to get jobs done. Yeah. And I, uh, but I mean, I was super admired Drew Millward, the British poster designer that I talked to because he only works three days a week and that's it. And he, he stops it, every he, day. He, he makes a point of stopping. Yeah. And he stops every day at six o'clock. Like his day isn't also isn't, it isn't three days working around the clock. Like he gets up in the morning, starts work at around 10, ends at six. And that's three days a week. The other mm. four days, he does not work. And I asked him kind of he because he makes a lot of his own art prints and his own kind of like art aside from what he's doing for all the bands he works with, like the Food Fighters and Black Keys and Fish or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so I asked him, like, in those other four days, is that when he works on his personal work, his art prints? And he said, no, like, that's all the same. It's all work. Yeah. So his personal work and his client work is all done in those three days. And the other four days is family time. With him and his kids and his wife, exactly. or going down to the local brewery and enjoying exactly. himself, and like, yeah. it was amazing. I was like, he's the only one I've ever encountered who seems to have figured out that work-life balance. Everyone, all the rest of us are screwed. I think Chad and Jay, among the guests you've had, are also parents, and and I think that and 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 you they t- they talk about that stuff. Uh, I remember Jay talking about how, like uh, Aaron. Draplin going to do different talks and going to different uh, events, conferences, festivals uh, for their practice. Aaron still goes from time to time and he speaks so fondly of being in Newfoundland. But Jay talks about how he had to really slow down once he had a child. And I think that uh, that other life, having these other lives in your life uh, does actually give you perspective. And I assume that's where uh, Drew is probably coming from. So I'm not. Suge- I'm not suggesting you need a child, but I do think. Uh, <laughs> I think certain things happen in your life that put things in perspective, and you can hear Aaron Draplin in his episode really talk about how the pandemic really altered him in terms of that burnout mode that we all get just lost in sometimes, just just at our computers or at our workstations uh doing whatever we do and the pandemic really put those those things in perspective and you talked about i think it's in that episode how yeah for a a little bit during the pandemic your work seemed to slow down but it's all coming back has the pandemic given you that perspective on your work like are you going to try to apply what drew has suggested and give yourself some days off and and go to the grocery store even when i'm not with you uh will you go get food and eat it and and stop with the Coca-Cola at all hours of the day. God damn it. I'm worried about you, man. That's all I'm saying. I'm always like, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do any drugs. So for me, the Coca-Cola has been my one vice. And I'm sure it's going to come back to haunt me. There's like day. seven but... tablespoons of sugar in that stuff and the caffeine. And and no, again, I'm not trying to tell tales out of school here. But my God, you get how many do you have a day? How many Coca-Colas have you had in a, today? Already. How many? It's... it's uh... I've had none today. Okay. But before I go to bed, I probably will have had uh, two to maybe even three if it's a big day. Before you go to bed, you load up on sugar and caffeine, man. Like, this is all I'm getting at. It's not good. And I wish I were there now. This, Lanya Vanya be damned. I should just be allowed to come 
and do an audit of your pantry. Frankly, that's all I want. You might be my life coach. Yes, I, I I feel like I am for like this is like I get all haughty. Like I feel like I I am a meddler. Like I, I'm not like into heavy metal. I am kind of, but I'm like a meddler in that I get into people's business and I stay at your house and I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like this is not how anyone should live. And then I feel like uh, you know all overbearing, but I also feel like you guys kind of appreciate that I try to make stuff and get stuff oh absolutely i don't and you know what when i was in my 20s i remember like i drank a lot of coca-cola in my 20s and i was always like okay when i turn 30 that's it like i'm stopping no more of that like Mm -hmm. you know the party is over time to grow up that's it no more being a kid and then i turned 30 and i kept on going and then i was like okay well when i turn 40 that is it it is like done 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 i'm gonna end up with diabetes if i don't smarten up and anyway i rolled 40 and i'm still still drinking coke so who knows maybe when well, I my hit, parents maybe when i hit hit 50 i'll slow down 50 <laughs> my parents used to just or my mom i don't know my mom has a sweet tooth that's where i get it from my dad doesn't got it but he's got now the pre-diabetes stuff oddly enough anyway my point is that uh, they would uh, bring home the case of coke every couple of weeks and i would take a can of coke to high school and i was famous for this i would crack it open when i got to school but I would leave it. It was disgusting. I would just leave it there and then come by during whatever the breaks were and just take chugs of it. I wouldn't drink the whole thing right away. It's the worst thing you could do for your teeth because they, they tell you just to put it all down. Don't just nurse the Coke. Just drink the whole thing and then brush your teeth or whatever. Do a, do At least do like a what we tell the kids when they're brushing their teeth. Do a swirl and spit. Do a gargle and spit. Just get the sugar off your teeth. Anyway, I did that all, all throughout high school. And now my teeth are fucked. And I'm just saying, anyway, I don't want to go on a rant about that particular corporation and its delicious, delicious soda. Too late. I know. I think I've got a sponsorship by the end of this. But my point is this. You uh, very wisely, I think, came up with a, a, a a seasonal approach to your podcast, Art Design Music. So again, as we're speaking, the first season is 10 episodes. You're going to do this amazing thing. I think it's amazing where your 11th episode, if I understand things correctly, is uh, you're going to uh, uh, bring back as many of the guests from season one as possible and have them speak to questions you've received from fans and listeners. Is that right? That's the plan. Yep. The uh, How's that going? Uh, well, I haven't received as many questions as I was hoping. I've received lots of comments. Like There's been so many comments coming in on the podcast and people, people making show suggestions for who they would love to see me talk to and like even telling stories of album covers uh, that they really were into as a kid or maybe a poster they bought at a show that now hangs prominently in their home. I've been getting lots of that kind of thing. Not many people have wrote asking a specific question, like say if I was going to get Chad Van Galen back on and you wanted to ask him a question or anybody like that. But I take that as I must have just done such a good job and asked all the right questions during my conversations that no one has any questions because I nailed everything perfectly. So the one thing I want to circle back on what you were saying a second ago, you kind of asked me about has the pandemic brought any focus to me? You know, what's funny is it did for a good while. I actually, the slowdown was scary and amazing at the same time and um, I took all this time to do kind of regular like life admin things that were kind of amazing and but I also in because I had basically had no work for what felt like almost a year 
And so being someone who always needs to make stuff, I started creating a lot of my own things, this podcast being one of them. And another side project I started was I started a skateboard company with my friend John. And so we started putting out all these skateboards and then, you know, led to T-shirts and hats and all that kind of stuff. And Yeah, I was, saw that. That's great. Yeah, it's been fun. And all that was great. And but now that life has come back full steam running down the hill, I'm extra screwed because I was having a hard time keeping up with everything beforehand. And now I'm also trying to juggle doing this podcast and running a skateboard company plus all the client work and my own work. And it's just like, now I'm kind of going like, Oh crap, I actually made things worse, not better. And now I don't know if I'm ever going to get to go to go to bed ever again. Well, that's, it's okay. You've got a steady supply of Coke in your stream already. Uh, the Coca-Cola will keep you awake for many more years, I'm sure. <laughs> that's just what happened. Well, okay, so the podcast you are recognizing is time-consuming and a fair amount of work, right? Oh, it's crazy. I don't know how, like I look at your, uh, you know, you've got 600 and something episodes out now, and that blows my mind. I don't know how you did it. You're a superhuman. That must be because of all those trips to the grocery store is all I can say. <laughs> Well, as you know, I think it's that mix of passion and independent uh, persistence and a lot of tolerance from the people around you, I think, as well, who will let you have, like right now, as we're speaking, I have to ask the uh, the family members who are here to keep it down, so to speak. And uh, yeah, it's just making time in the evenings and the weekends. And, and if people can't meet you there, like finding time during the day to, to spend a bit of time just chatting and uh and then, yeah, fine. as you may know, I edit the things uh, a lot and uh, a fair amount just to make sure we all sound good. And yeah, it's a lot of work. And uh, but it is my currently anyway, my I don't know. There's some there's some to this, I think, uh, Judd, where uh, uh, music and art and culture uh, gives you so much uh, as a person. If you if, if you become enthralled with it, that uh, if you're lucky uh, maybe lucky or maybe unlucky, I don't know anymore, you feel compelled to give something back to it. Uh, Absolutely. And so I feel like you and I maybe come from that place of this stuff has changed my life for the better and I want to be involved in, in helping other people feel like uh, you know their lives could be changed or they could be inspired to, uh, in my case right now as we're speaking, of all the things I do, you, I make a podcast in hopes that someone will make a better version of it, which, by the way, isn't going to be that difficult. It's very simple. <laughs> I, I mean, anyone can do this better than me. But my point is, like, it's sort of filling a void, but it's also giving back to your community so you don't feel like you're just uh, taking stuff, I guess. Like, I, I, it's nice that Will Oldham puts out so many records. If if I can do a good job in in my own generosity of spirit by talking about those records or having them on the show uh, as a as more of a, a a symbol of my gratitude more than I view it I know it's hard to talk about this without do these kinds of things without seeming uh, self-promotional but it's not I don't think that's why you got into it I don't think that's why most of your guests when I hear the humility in their voices I don't think that's why they got into it to make something make their name well known and uh, it's not, it's not why I, you know, you're looking for agency, but I think I just wanted, uh, I just want to contribute to this community that means so much to me of creators. So sorry, I, I gone on a little bit of a rant there. Does that resonate with you? Absolutely. 
And absolutely, 100%. And for me, it's funny because I'm such a huge fan of these people that I'm the ones I'm talking to that I uh, like I'm approaching this as basically a super fan. Yeah. And I there's so many times there's been these cool projects like like Jay Ryan, who we've mentioned a couple times here today. Yeah, uh, I collect his prints. I've got a whole bunch of them here at the house. Krista and I've got them hung up and uh, and I've always wanted to pick his brain. But never had that avenue. I was like, when would I ever get a chance to, even if I met him in public, it wouldn't be the right place. It wouldn't be the right moment to actually like ask him how he does what he does or something. And a podcast is the perfect avenue for me to actually basically sit down with my heroes, have a one-on-one conversation and super nerd out. Like I get to nerd out about their process, but also their, how they think about it. And like say, even talking about what their day looks like as far as schedules go. And I'm just, and getting into specific projects, like it was so cool to ask almost all these guests about very specific, like take out an album cover and be like, okay, so why did you do that on this cover? You know, was that your idea or was that somebody else's idea? Why this, that thing there, when you did that, cool thing on this project did you know it was going to last like was that meant to just be for this one thing did, had you had any idea that 20 years later it would become the band's everything you yeah, know? yeah and uh like the beastie boys logo that say adams made he made that on their very first little seven inch yeah and they're still using it now you know yeah. that acdc logo was designed just to be the way their, their name was written on that one record cover and their next record that came out had their name written in a different font yeah different logo altogether it's true but then they went back to it they ended up they the record right after that they went right back to it and they've never gone they've never strayed from it again ever since yeah you know but when he made it he didn't know he was making their logo he thought he was just finding a cool way to write their name on that one album cover mm. you know and they've they've never strayed from it since it's been kind of amazing so for me it's been like i'm a massive fan some of these people i've been comfortable to talk to because i know they're comfortable people you know like aaron draplin or jay i know from listening to other interviews with them or or just seeing them on youtube or whatever that they're going to be easygoing people and i can be myself and some of these people are i've been like so intimidated to even get to talk to because they're legends yeah and the work they work for are, yeah. is legendary that i've been nervous like i was like the whole conversation i never ever was able to really fully let my hair down because i was kind of freaking out the whole time that i even had this one-on-one moment with them well that's the other great thing about doing something like this on a regular basis is you're just uh superhumanizing the people you admire uh, because you realize as soon as you say hello that it's a human being on the other end of the conversation. And, you know, as we're speaking, I've been really immersed in the Get Back documentary about the Beatles. And uh, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you've, uh, if you've got the Disney Plus or whatever and have had a chance to look at it yet, but uh, it strikes me that that band, one of the magical things about that band, like these complete, like they're such icons, but they just did everything possible to humanize themselves. Present yeah. themselves as normal people and speak. Uh, uh, you know, I think sometimes when Paul McCartney makes a, a comment about John Lennon, uh, people are reading into it all the time. But he's just very human and in the moment, and there's nothing contrived, I don't think. And that's what comes across in that documentary. And that's what I like the most about this show, like, uh, or the, the doing a project like a podcast is that. You know, you're obviously trying to reach out to someone to see what they're like as people because you admire their work so much, their visual work, their music work. But then when you get to know them as people, you realize, oh, they're just people. 
And yeah. I'm sure you've noticed a lot of commonalities. I have listening to your episodes. Like there's a lot of commonalities. I've pointed out some of them. And you realize, mm-hmm. you know, these these are shared human experiences and attributes and attitudes and some of it's born of the the, the crafts we uh, are exploring and some of it's just born of a certain kind of drive in people's personalities. And so you become, it becomes galvanizing when you make 10 episodes uh, with different people and you realize that we're sharing, uh, they're all sharing something, some aspect of their lives and their work is similar. And I feel like that's, that's over for me it's over 650 episodes of that you know we mm-hmm. might be talking about different things but we're all kind of coming from the same place and in a particularly fractured time where people get dehumanized uh, a lot more than they used to because of the internet and whatnot uh i feel like it's good we're uh, i think this is a, a place where we can really bring things down to earth and you've done a so far i will say you've done such a fantastic job with this so once again, I, I I went on a ramble, but I just want to say in in summary, you know, congratulations. Uh, it's a great thank you. It's great work. It's more great work from you, and I I hope it's also given you a window into your skill set that maybe you didn't have before. You know, it's been really fun, uh, like getting to have these conversations, and also, like you said, see how much my story and my path has been similar. Yeah. You know, it's kind of been so cool that it seems like every person who makes screen print posters for bands started out in a band. And that's exactly my path, too. You know, yeah. obviously yeah. playing with Winter Sleep all those years. And and uh, and it's kind of been, yeah, like and they're from all over the world. And I kind of get a kick out of it. And there's also so much stuff that has happened with these people that was just luck and happenstance. Yeah. Which also blows my mind, you know, like like Michelle Holm, the very first record she ever designed was for Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Just because she she basically applied to an ad for at a record label, was hiring a graphic designer. She applied, she got the job. She had never designed a record in her life. And then the, they pass her Bruce Springsteen. Well she's record. a she's a Jersey person too. So there's probably Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. It's like some of these people are like like Paula Shear started working at twenty one years old for CBS records. Gerard Huerta was only in his early twenties. These cause these folks were living in New York. Hmm. They had the luck and the happen chance of just being there whenever this happened, you know? Yeah. Say Adams got working with Def Jam because someone was photographing some of his graffiti. He graffitied this wall and uh, this photographer was there taking some photos and some of the say Adams buddies went over and were kind of like, what are you doing? What is this for? Yeah. Kind of basically almost intimidating this guy. And the guy said, Oh, I'm, I'm taking some photos for a background for run DMC record. And then they were like, Oh, well our friend did that work. You know, you're going to need to pay him. You're not going to be able to just use this wall. You're going to need to pay our friend if you're going to use his art in this, in this record cover. So then the photographer gives say Adams his business card. And that starts a whole flurry, an entire life's career. And it's just kind of amazing how many of these people are like, they're talented as hell, which is what's carried them their whole time. But they also just happen to have these magic little moments that started it all. For me, I really feel like if I hadn't played in Winter Sleep, I probably, because before Winter Sleep, I did a lot of like not really music work. I was doing a lot of like advertising and logo designs and things like that. And then going on tour with a band for like seven, eight years, just all my, my friend circle, as I mentioned earlier, was entirely the music scene and bands. So then I started working with bands and it's kind of cool to see that that's the same for most of these people is just one moment triggered it all. I think there's a whole other podcast or, or a sort of course of study that could be made about 
people who end up with viable and fascinating careers after music doesn't pan out for them, so to speak. Um, because like, if you think about every uh, sound person you've ever encountered, almost every producer, and uh, as you're discovering, a lot of graphic artists in, in who work in music, almost all of them didn't start out thinking that's what they would do. They all wanted to be in a band or be a musician. Yeah. And they end up realizing yeah. how much work and... And maybe also not how much work because or they have kids yeah, or anything. Or, There's like so many life situations. Or it doesn't happen for them. Like I also got into music playing music, and I still, I mean, and now it's been a few years since I played with any regularity. But yeah, I've made records. I've played in bands. Uh, I always treated it as as seriously as I could, I guess, at the time, depending on what what else was going on in my life. But also viewed it as always. Sort of didn't think it was how I was going to survive in life practically in terms of making money and being able to pay mortgages and for kids and stuff. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. anyway, all this to say, that's like I say, a whole other podcast. So you have just, or you're about to anyway, as we're speaking, wrap up season one. What is your schedule uh, plan then? When do you begin season two? I've already uh, got a bunch of guests locked in for season two and basically I'll start recording right after the holiday. So in January... I'll start recording on season two and I don't have the whole season booked yet on the, the, the 10 guests, but essentially my goal is to have an entire season two uh, recorded and start production on it over the winter. So that maybe in early spring, I can launch a season two. Okay, and that's so the way I'm going to do it. I'm going to build it in blocks like this, as opposed to trying to keep it a consistent thing happening all the time. I'm going to basically release it as seasons. Yeah, well, I think that's smart. I wish I had done that in retrospect, and it's too late now. I'm trapped. I have to do one, at least one, every week, and uh, unless I can't for some reason. But uh. well, you've been doing a you've been doing a killer job at it. I actually look at your. I mean, I've I've used your podcast as a, uh, a basically a business model and template the whole time, and that's why I say you were the first person I talked oh. to about it. I've you know oh. I've gone to you for advice on many occasions, and I um, oh. uh, but I also the one thing that really really scared the hell out of me about your podcast is the fact that you do have them out all the time you you every week there is new episodes sometimes there's a couple in a week and i'm just looking at it and going like i don't think i could ever do it i and especially now oh. like knowing i had no idea when i started how much goes into it and yeah. now that i do i'm kind of like oh my god like even you talking to me in here now um you've referenced so many moments from episodes and like I didn't I figured you might have a have time to put a couple minutes on of an episode just to get the general feel and then we would kind of just fly but I mean you've actually spent some time listening to episodes and that blows my mind that takes time you know even just to do the research to talk to these people takes time yeah I don't uh people are always like uh my friend Mike yesterday was like hey have you listened to such and such podcast I'm like I don't really listen to podcasts I'm too busy doing other things and making my own that I'd stop listening to them with any regularity. There's some uh, that I will check in with that I like, that I subscribe to, but I don't have a chance to always listen because I'm not, also I'm not commuting anymore, uh, which was a, a good time to catch up, right? Even walking to work or whatever. And I don't, or driving on the, or taking the bus. Like I just don't do that anymore. Yeah. I've been kind of, you yeah. know, so homebound. So I, that's, but I, and I worried about that for my own show, but it's only, 
the popularity of the show is only increasing during the pandemic. It's the opposite. It's weird, but I don't know what it means. Uh, I, I have no idea. But anyway, yeah, I'm sorry if I uh, made it seem like a daunting task. Uh, I don't think the model I've uh, built is something anyone needs to follow, but it is a kind of uh, maxim in this kind of work that you, you you try to maintain consistency. Oh yeah, uh, to keep your audience uh, enthralled and and keep your, you know, there's so many metrics and analytics that you're that are always in your face, and you just want to make sure it's getting better and better and or maintaining its uh, its stature, if you will. Anyway, I don't want to talk too much about that stuff. I just <laughs> like talking to. To be honest, it's also during a pandemic. If you are homebound uh, or living in a, re- a place that feels remote, even if it's not. Talking to a couple of people a week from anywhere else in the world is really refreshing it is, and yeah. insightful. Yeah. So I love that part of it. As you may know, if you listen to the show, I always start with, "Hey, where are you?" Yeah. And I, because I'm not often in front of someone uh, directly, we're remote. Uh, we're connected remotely, and so I end up sometimes, maybe to some people's chagrin, spending ten minutes just, "Oh, what's uh, what's that part of Pennsylvania like? Do you, do you like it?" And then. I feel like that's part of the humanization thing. It also, uh, I think, relaxes people. It relaxes me. <laughs> Just to begin with a little bit of, you know, homespun small talk, if you will. Absolutely. So, anyway, yeah. No, you're doing great, and I appreciate your kind words towards me, and uh, uh, I, you inspire me, as I say. You're, you know, when you talk to uh, Aaron Draplin, and he says, uh, you know, I can't find this blue rodeo record. What is with this? Uh, I think it was five days in July. I can't find it. And at the end of the episode, you do a, an outro and you say, "You know what I did, folks? I actually managed to get a copy of that and I mailed it to, I mailed it to, or was it Aaron? It was Aaron. Did yep. I say Aaron? Yep. I meant to say Aaron. Yeah. And you 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 talk about how you sent it, Aaron. I think of you as a very uh, kind and generous soul. Beyond the fact that you house me every time I come to Newfoundland. Uh, you've given me gifts. You've given me prints. You've given me, and you do this on your show. You say to your fans or to your listeners, rather. I don't know if they're fans yet. Uh, that's not. That's, that's too strong a word. I don't know if they love you, but they 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 probably do. But you you're offering them gifts uh, for their interaction. You're a very generous guy, Judd, and uh, I just want you to know from for what it's worth that that is an inspiration to me too. Your kindness and your. Uh, I don't know, your patience with people. You're, it's lovely. You're a lovely guy, and I, I'm glad you're doing this. That's all I wanted to say. You didn't say anything about my looks. I'm handsome, well, too. Well, uh, the grooming is not something that I would view as a strong suit, per se, but uh, no, you do look good. You look a lot like that Aaron Draplin, if I might say. Uh, so <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, a graph- Drew, Drew, Drew Millward, uh, the British guy, he's almost a doppelganger for me as well. All, yes. us, all of us poster artists are... Uh, <laughs> Like like bespeckled dudes with big beards and trucker hats. It's kind of uh, hilarious in its own way. So just so we do this properly, if people want to learn more about your podcast, Judd, uh, again, it's called Art Design Music, but if people want to learn more about it uh, and find it and all those things, where would you want to direct them? Uh, the website is artdesignmusic.com, uh, and uh, we're on Instagram and Facebook at Art Design Music Podcast. And then if any podcast software that they're using spotify apple music whatever you should be able to just type in art design music and okay. it'll come up all right so we'll keep an eye out for as again as we're speaking episode 11 is not yet out but it will be hopefully by the time you hear this and uh 
Otherwise, keep an eye out for season two. Uh, and Judd, oh, sorry, I, in terms, you're a working uh, graphic uh, design person, please, uh, where can people go to learn more about that work? Oh, uh, my portfolio is at juddhaines.com. That's J-U-D-H-A-Y-N-E-S.com. And on Instagram, I'm at Mighty Pops. There you go. And I'll link to all that stuff, obviously, uh, in the pod uh, here. So check out Judd's work. It's amazing. He's worked with uh, amazing people and gotten great work and uh, repeat work. So uh, I've worked with him. Other people worked with him. We love him. Judd, you're you're the best. Thank you for this time. Congratulations on this show, and I Thank wish you, you the so best much. of luck in the future. Yay! Thanks, Fish. Ah, oh, thanks again to my buddy Judd Haynes for appearing on this the. 657th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, which I'm really overdue for sending out. I'm sorry. I I have let that thing lapse. Anyway, if you want to learn about all that stuff, please visit my website, vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook if you so desire. Uh, but I would encourage you to, uh, for sure, follow the show on Twitter at Vish Creative, or you can follow me on Twitter and on Instagram at Vish Kana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly donation. $6 or more grants you access to exclusive content, uh, both uh, content that uh, emanates from current episodes but also I occasionally will dip into my archive of interviews that precede the making of this podcast and I re I rejuvenate them. I post them on the Patreon so that uh, if you want, you can enjoy it. Say you enjoy my 2021 interview with Steve Albini. Well, heck, maybe at some point I'll post my 2011 interview with Steve Albini. What do you think about that? $6 or more grants you access to such things. And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, please message me on Patreon and I will get you one just as soon as is humanly possible and while our limited supplies last. Thanks again to Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario for their in-kind support for this show. Thanks as always to my dear old friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim at jimguthrie.org. And finally, thank you for listening to this episode with Judd Haynes. By the way, uh, when we recorded this episode, episode uh, uh, 11 of his... Sorry, that, I said episode too many times there. When we, rec- when we <laughs> recorded this episode of Creative Control, the 11th episode of Judd's show hadn't yet come out. But it's out now, and I'm on it. I happen to be on his show. So go to Art Design Music, uh, figure out how to find his show, and then you can listen to me talk to Judd. Uh, primarily about the uh, artist Jay Ryan, who we talked about here, and that this Fugazi shellac poster that I have that Judd covets. Anyway, I wanted to say that. But yeah, anyway, thanks for listening to this episode with Judd and for potentially subscribing to my podcast and his and asking all your friends to do the same and spread the word about our work separately. We do separate shows, but do it. Spread the word. And uh, or just do nothing. Enjoy this one and move on with your life. In any case, thank you very much for being you and being kind. I will talk to you soon. Bye for now.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.